Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. This is Jeff Frederick, and once, once again, I'm unfortunately not joined with Douglas Squirrel. Uh, I am recording live from DevOps Enterprise Summit uh, 2022. I'm here in Las Vegas, and I'm joined with a guest today, uh, David Anderson. Thanks very much, Jeffrey. We appreciate it. Nice, nice to have me on. Appreciate it. So, so David and I uh, are here because we're both uh, authors for IT Revolution, who put on the DevOps Enterprise Summit. Uh, David, you'll have your book coming out soon, The Value Flywheel Effect? Yes, that's right. It's coming out at the end of November, so it's uh, very exciting to get my hands on my first physical copy just this morning. So Yeah, I remember that. It, it's, a, it's, quite a, it's quite a weird thing, isn't it, to have, that, to have it in hand? Yeah, I think I'm still in shock. It, it's funny. <laughs> you spend so long working on it, and all of a sudden you're holding this thing, so it's quite uh, it's fun. It's very exciting. Yeah, fantastic. And so tell me, how, how did you come to write The Value Flywheel Effect? What was your background that led you to do this? So I'm a software engineer, kind of my background, and I, I currently work as a, um, a technical fellow with Bizarre Voice. But prior to that, I worked as kind of like I was a CTO role with Liberty Mutual, mm -hmm. and um, spent a lot of years kind of driving our sort of move to the cloud. You know, figuring out how do we perform better in the cloud. And one of the things that we we figured out, myself, my two co-authors, uh, Mark McCann and Michael Riley, mm -hmm. was with this, with this idea of a serverless-first mindset mm -hmm. to actually build applications better in the cloud. And uh, as we started kind of um, exploring that, a few people said, you know, you, you need to write a book on this. This is, this is <laughs> such a good... Um, it's such a good idea and there's so much, so much success. And it was particularly Adrian Cockcroft just kept saying to me, you have to write a book. Um, so I thought, okay. And really as I went through the process of writing the book and distilling and synthesizing those ideas, this idea of the value flywheel effect just kept kind of coming out. This iterative way of, of joining up your kind of business and technical strategy mm -hmm. and just having that almost, you know, they're, they're influencing each other and then trying to kind of you know, visualize that and talk about it, so yeah. So the, so the value fly effect then comes from a, 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 a cycle with business and technical strategy co-joined. Absolutely, yeah, and really there's four phases that we've identified. Uh, the first is clarity of purpose. And really, you know, for any team or anyone building something, you need to have that clarity of purpose. That could be your, your engineering North Star, you know, your time to value metrics. Just be very clear on that clarity of purpose. The second phase is challenge, mm -hmm. which is really creating that environment of success, the psychological safety, that people feel they're in a good place so they can discuss the, the, the clarity of purpose and find out better ways of doing it. The third phase is next best action, which is really providing a really good developer experience and a good kind of cloud environment so teams can deliver quickly. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth is net long-term value, which is really getting into the mindset of problem prevention, mm -hmm. having a well-architected mindset. So even though you're building quickly, you're still you care about your architecture and your long-term value. And that cycles back around the clarity of purpose. So we noticed that there were certain things that would create almost like friction in that process. Yeah. If there may be organizational boundaries or maybe bad technology, whatever. And then you'd also see that when there's momentum, things yeah. are really kind of turning. And that's when you get that flywheel exactly. element. Yeah. So, yeah. And the success breeds success is the idea here. Absolutely. And, and a few people have lots of feedback over the past two years on, on the concept. People often say, why is it not like a waterfall? You know, you start in your head. It's like, well, that's not how the cloud works. You know, once you, it's like a rocket ship. Once you get onto this, it just keeps going. You right. Know? So you really, it's not really um, projects starting and ending. You're really looking for friction points or inertia that will mm -hmm. slow you down. Right. You know? the, the, the serverless edge is your 
uh, website, you know, and, and so like, I think there's an element here of let's tie the service edge and how that relates to the value flywheel effect, because clearly you see that's an important element. Yeah, well, go back to that sort of digital transformation with, with Liberty, which is around maybe 2014-ish. Um, the charge I actually had was we're going cloud native. Right. So how do we build applications better in the cloud? Which is interesting because that seems very like backwards in a sense. It's technology driven as opposed to clarity of purpose. You know, yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. But, but it all kind of sits together because the, you know, the, the purpose wasn't we're moving to the cloud. Mm. The purpose was we need to embrace cloud native. Right. So it wasn't appropriate to do what we always did in the data center and yeah. just move that to the cloud. Right. That wasn't going to wash. Um, so really having well, I'm going to push on that. Why? Why not? Why, why, why do I want to go cloud native? Because you, you, well, like it's, it's like as the, the door matters, you know, you, you want to be able to have a really tight feedback loop. Yeah. Really build features, build product really quickly, get them in the hands of customers and figure out what happened. And, you know, keep that really, really tight feedback loop. You can't be releasing once a month or right. once a quarter. So, so cloud native is a, is a means to that end. It's not the end in itself. And this is why you're saying if you did the same, if you operated the same way yeah. in the cloud, then kind of so what? Well, because the thing is, um, as Gregor Hope puts it really well, if you just migrate to the cloud with your existing practice, you'll have a really nice data center because yeah. it's run <laughs> by some of the best companies in the world, Amazon, <laughs> Google, or Microsoft. Right. But you still, all you have is a nice data center. Right. Then why not offload some of those that operational burden to the cloud provider? Right. So on the, the phrase that, that we use for that would be serverless where yeah. you shouldn't be in, in creating servers, installing them, patching them, doing low level kind of network and stuff. It's you know, let Amazon or Google or whoever do as much of that as possible. Right. Because unless you're a competing cloud company, you shouldn't be building cloud services. That, that, you know? that, I think I feel we, this is this is fantastic because we've kind of ended up then at the, kind of the first step here, clarity of purpose. Mm. You know, why are we doing this transformation anyway? And it's not just that, <clears throat> it's not just why, but a bit of, you know, the decisions that you're making here. Mm. Uh, now, we were talking a bit before we started recording and you were saying that one of the, the, the tools that you like to do this with this is, is Wordly Mapping. Now, yes. I don't want this to be a Wordly Mapping <laughs> podcast. I'll link in the show notes to uh, uh, learnwordlymapping.com, which I think is a lot of resources Perfect. out there for, for people who want to know more. Yep. Um, but So let's talk about this, this idea of, uh, and I'll say that just in this in Wordly Mapping, uh, there's the, the value chain you put together you know, from the client perspective to things further away, and then there's climactic patterns, things evolve, yep. uh, and you're making, you're kind of pulling this out. What's, what's, what's the symptom I might see if I'm, if I'm in my organization and I'm trying to you know, uh, lead a transformation? Uh, what, what might be a sign that I need to have a worldly mapping discussion with people? Well, one of the things was, I mean, the, the premise of orderly mapping is that every technology and even capability evolves. Mm -hmm. So there's an evolutionary axis yep. that something evolves. So things will start off in um, Genesis. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. This is amazing. This, this blows me away. Then you get into custom build. Yep. We think we can build it. And then it moves into product yep. where there's customer demand. And then it becomes utility or commodity. It's right. the price of doing business. This is just everyone has one. expected. It's, yes, it's a, you know, it's like it's like water flowing out of the tap, or you know, plugging into electricity. You're, we're not building your own generator. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, the symptom that clarity purpose is not understood is I, I would often see engineers building things that a they don't know why they're building them, mm. or two they're not they don't make sense to our core business. And one of the interesting tests I would always have 
if we sit and speak with the VP or the president of business and we tell them that we're building a logging framework and we're spending a million dollars on it, you know, will they think that's a good investment of our money? Right. Will they think, why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> we are not, a, you know, we're not a cloud company. So really is, is, can you, is there a dotted line from what you're building to what the, the present of the business would expect the engineers right. should be working on? But there's always things you need to work on. So really it's, that's, that's those two things. Either you're building something that you shouldn't be building mm -hmm. or you don't know why you're building the thing that you're building. Okay. So if, if you're building like a business function, then you should talk to, even talk to the customer, the business stakeholder, to really understand the problem that that's solving. Then mm -hmm. as engineers, we can be more creative in how we build that. Now, one of the, one of the things you mentioned here is about worldly mapping. It's called worldly mapping, not worldly map, in a sense. And there's yep. a focus on the process Absolutely. rather than the artifact. Yeah. Explain that to me. What's, what's, the, what's the point of that? But the, the, the technique was, was created by a guy called Simon Wardley, uh, he's an English guy about, about 15 years ago. And um, it's really the idea that you know, if someone comes up and says, well, uh, we're going to use Kubernetes to solve a particular problem, yeah. it's very difficult to challenge the thinking mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's, it's an idea and a challenge behind it. But if you sit and go through the process of mapping out the why behind that, you know, what are the decision points and what pieces of technology may evolve, what may not evolve, then you start to get a clear picture. So the whole the idea of sitting down at a whiteboard or even on Zoom, on a virtual whiteboard, drawing out your access, who's our user, what is their need, what does that need depend on, what mm -hmm. does that need depend on. So you start working down that value chain and then you, over a matter of time, you say, well, where does the idea or Kubernetes or whatever fit into that value chain? And if the engineer is, if they're on the money, it'll be, it'll quite clearly solve the problem that the customer has. Okay. If it's just a cool technology they want to try, it'll be somewhere way, way down. Yeah. No. <laughs> and it's like, there's three other things can do that equally well. This right. is really good investment of our time. And usually what I've found countless times, the process of mapping that out on a whiteboard, even if it's just two people or a room full of six or seven. Right. The room will come to the agreement, oh, we shouldn't be building this, you know, this is not a good investment of our time. And often engineers will say, well, there's a vendor that does this, but, you know, we don't want to use 95% of their features. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's just work out how we don't need the extra 5% right. rather than <laughs> go off down a rabbit hole and build a whole new thing. Right. And, you know, as engineers, we love to build. So really it's, it's part of the mindset is helping engineers build the right thing, not build the wrong thing. Right, so I want to play this back because I've got a, I heard a couple of things in there, but one, one that stood out to me is <clears throat> as you're building your value chain here in the, in the mapping process, the where things show up, the depth mm -hmm. uh, might be a sign of, yep. you know, a misalignment effectively. Yep. Because you start, for, for people who haven't seen it, if you, you start in a vertical orientation where the client's at the top and essentially what you're saying is the closer they are to the client and their needs, then the more, the more you're in, in touch with what the client actually is, you're solving their problems. Mm -hmm. the, the deeper I get down in the technology stack, mm -hmm. the more questionable it is, the, 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 the less necessary it seems to be for actually solving their needs. Did I understand yeah. that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah well, it, it could be, even could be, um, if it's quite low down on the value chain, it's it's still probably really important. Yeah. But then you need the. You need yourself. a logging framework. Yeah, exactly. You need a logging framework, but 
but do you need the best logging framework in the world? Do you need to invent one? Right. Or is the one that you can get off the shelf, is that good enough? Okay. So you may find that the lower you go down the chain, the more commodity some of the things are. Right. So we might we might be inventing some things. We might yeah. we might be making things custom build, but hopefully those are things that are high on the value stream, you know, high, high, close to the client. Yeah. And uh, and not supporting technologies deep down. Yeah, because if, if if you're in the business of I don't know media and you, you, you create some fantastic new service for streaming media, mm-hmm. that's going to be Genesis or custom build because you want to get that into the hands of your customers early. Mm-hmm. So you don't mind maybe taking on some technical debt yep. while you put that in place. But then at least it's it's what I would call it's intentional debt that you can then evolve that mm-hmm. as you learn more. But if you're a media company and you happen to need something way low down, which is not that important, don't innovate in that. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Just just get off the shelf. This, this, it, this is this is a, 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 something in hearing about for a while. Which is core versus context. Yeah. You know, making your investment in your core things that are context, maybe buy rather than build. Yeah, exactly. And and I think. We used to have these conversations maybe 10, 15 years ago. It was a, it was a harder conversation because you were, it was like vendor lock-in and we need to build more things. Right. Now with the way the cloud providers are putting out these managed services, like you can have an entire uh, like eventing backbone, mm-hmm. a messaging solution, um, you know, storage options. You can have them at the click of a button right. pay as you go and you can change your mind and use different ones. So yeah. you, you don't need to invest a huge amount. So it's that really that idea of you know, build what you is going to be a differentiator and rent what, what is going to be your kind of um, dependencies. Right. Okay, I've, I've got like one or maybe two more questions here, but one's one I really want to focus on is so, because it sounds like you're potentially having this um, mapping conversation with different audiences. So maybe first you start it with your business counterpart and then you might create a map, and then later you're doing it with the engineers, the development team. Is that, is that right, or am I, did I hear that correctly? Or is that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because certainly from experience, as, and one of the, the ideas that I would frequently use with mapping is sense-making, trying to make sense of a particular value chain. Mm-hmm. Just once you map it out, you start to see patterns and, yep. and, and, and maybe inertia points that you wouldn't have predicted. Um, so when you say that, I start thinking David Snowden now instead of Simon <laughs> Wordley when I hear sense making. But that's maybe just a learned. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's well, actually, uh, Dave Snowden and Simon Wordley, they're they're great friends, and both Kenneth and, and Mappin are, are. There's a lot of um, uh, similarity between the two, so I would often use both of them. Okay. Uh, depending what the, the the context is, but um, I think in my experience with more let's say more strategic people you can sit and map. Yep. But if you're dealing with executives, sometimes they may not have the time to sit and spend an hour or two mapping a bunch of stuff out. So okay. you need to be careful okay. with a bunch of very senior people saying we're going to do this weird mapping thing. So it's, right. it's you, you need to get very good at it, mapping with senior people because um, you, know, you, you do need to sit and spend time at it. With engineers, you need to make it very accessible. Okay. And one of the things that, that I did myself and two co-authors to make it more accessible was we almost had grids based on the map. Okay. We almost say like uh, we, we learned about like A, B, C and D where A was closer to the customer yep. and then one, two, three, four for the, the evolution. Right. So you could straight away say if somebody was building a component you could say well that that sounds like it's it's like um, B, B3. It's B3. It's maybe it's yeah. high up and that's, that's quite good. That's like, that's D4 you're building. That's commodity down low. You shouldn't need to build that. Right. So even that mental model of 
Am I building something that is far away from the customer and commodity? Yeah. Or close to the customer and more innovation or genesis? Right. Now, the, thing, the reason I went down this is because you might be talking with a, a one place with a, a business uh, a counterpart, <clears throat> and then you're also uh, doing the mapping conversation with the engineering. Yeah. And this would be a deliberately naive question. Why am I, isn't that waste? Why am I building the same map twice? Why don't I just take the one I made with the business to plan things out and take it to the engineers and say, here you go, you know, we've, you go, we've mapped it all out, we're fine. Also, I'd say famous quote, the map, the map is not the territory. <laughs> because the, the, the map is throwaway, you know what I mean? It's the conversation. All right, say, really say, say again, the map is throwaway. The right? map is throwaway. But we just invested all this time. We had this expensive meeting with like eight, 10 people in here and we spent an hour and a half. Well, often it's the observations from the map is what's useful. Okay. There'll be three or four or five key observations from the map. And sometimes, what I find myself, if we, if we figure out some key observations, when you present them back to maybe the executive team, you may just present the observations. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can say, well, how did you come to that? And you can tell the story of why that would happen. And they go, oh yeah, of course. Right. So, you know, when this thing you know, evolves, you, you, you can sit and... You can speak to the narrative when you're presenting it, but you, you've already done the map, so you've already got the picture in your head of how okay. that works. So the, it's the observation is key. So really, maybe the strategic mapping is done, done separately, but you're putting the output in the, in the presentation. Yeah. With the engineers, it's the mindset around what they have to build, what they don't have to build. Okay. That's the important concept. Right. And the mapping conversation helps them understand that. Mm -hmm. I think with engineers, when you realize you've hit gold, is when you hear engineers as they talking to teams going, we shouldn't build that, that's commodity. Right. It's going bingo, you get getting you, there. You, you, you've got it, you got it yeah, there. You know what I mean? Or th this, is, this is really new. This kind of build this in a custom way, but we'll need to clean it up once we learn. Right. You know, so it's a different mindset that engineers understand how their components will evolve right. and they use appropriate methods as they evolve. So it's, it's, for me, it's the mindset. It's the strategic conversation with the executive and the stakeholders and then that being um, conscious of evolution for the engineers. All right, fantastic. I, I, I think I have the possible title for the episode then, which is like, you know, burn your maps, but you have to make them first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, thank you a lot, David, for, for being here. And uh, thank you to our listeners. I'll say if any of you have any questions uh, uh, for David. Uh, David, what's the best way for people to get hold of you? I'd say we're, we're on um, Twitter at um, Serverless Edge. Uh, my, my handle is um, DavidAnderson393, but please, Reach out to, at Service Age or even the um, um, the serviceage.com is the site where we kind of collect a lot of our content. Right. And of course, the, the book is out with IT Revolution, the Value Flywheel Effect, um, at the end of November. All right, fantastic. So if you have uh, any questions for David, uh, go ahead and let him know. And if you you know have any questions for Squirrel or I, of course, you can get a hold of us at agileconversations.com, where you can find all of our episodes, you can find transcripts, uh, you can find our Twitter information and uh, how to get a hold of us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Thanks, David. Thank you.